Welcome to the sports class with Justin and Jamal. Friday, July 14th. Welcome to the sports class with Justin and Jamal. I'm Jamal Cox, rolling solo this week. Justin's back home in Victoria. I'm here in Richmond, which I'll tell you a little bit about in just a few moments going to talk a little bit about my trip, catch up on some NBA and some Wimbledon and a few other things, and then you'll have a recorded conversation with me and JK himself. So you're still getting your Justin fix this week. So if you listened to episode 20, you probably heard me kind of forecasting the potentially hellacious trip back to the RVA, 804 River City, 5th City, capital of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Richmond. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. Planes, trains, and automobiles, Vancouver, Toronto, Washington, D.C., car ride down a couple hours to Richmond. Kids were intact, held up really well. There was an ease to it all. They got some rest on the way, which is always lovely on a really long day. And you know what? Came out of it unscathed. Got here. Everything was, was really lovely. Right away, instant nostalgia being back home. You know, haven't missed a beat, staying in the same place uh, right now where we stayed last year. We have a lovely home exchange with some wonderful people. So, yeah, just kind of everything fit like a glove. Um, got back into the mix, been here for like six days and couldn't be happier. It's really nice uh, seeing some, some friends, family, making some new friends on the way. People are so nice here. Lots of hellos, people walking their dog. You're walking down the street, you're at the, the Kroger doing little shopping, Trader Joe's, whatever it is, at the till, people saying, excuse me, when they're passing you. It's all great. Um, really just lovely to be back in the midst of some uh, Southern hospitality. One of the big things that struck me and always strikes me, I should say, when I come back year over year is just the abundance of convenience that exists in the U.S., and especially here. Richmond, um, for those who don't know, Probably if you extend across the, the metro area, you're looking at mm, a million and a quarter, maybe pushing at a million and a half people. So a mid-sized city by American standards. The, the actual city is probably a little bit over a quarter of a mil. Um, but the, the sprawl here is, is pretty, <laughs> pretty heavy. So we extend uh, those branches across uh, central Virginia. All that being said, it, Man, there is fast food everywhere. Chipotle is ubiquitous. I've seen so many Chipotles in the past week. It is wild. Throw a stone, you hit one. You throw a stone in general, you're going to hit a franchise, a, a chain, a strip mall, uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, Wendy's, Burger King, whatever it is. They're, they're here. Two Popeyes, you're everywhere as well. Um, all that being said, it's really interesting just the contrast from Victoria. Victoria is 400,000 people, but I think it still has this feel or likes to be- we like to believe it has a feel of kind of a mom and pop shop to, uh, you know, a, a corporate uh, box store, if you will, if I can carry that metaphor. What I mean with that is it feels smaller than it is. That being said, it's growing rapidly and the infrastructure is not keeping up in my opinion. So hopefully we'll, we'll meet those standards, but at the same time, people want to keep Victoria boring. So I know we're not, we're not looking to, to hit people over the head with a lot of box stores there and convenience. So just the 
blatant contrast here is really, really interesting. As someone who grew up in the suburbs here, you know what? I kind of have a reverence for it, and I know that sounds terrible. Um, Places that were once rural, um, they were afterthoughts. They're now exurbs. It's really interesting. I was hanging out with my cousin last night. We were up in Ashland, Virginia, and things have really stretched out over there. There's a lot of stuff that didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. So it's interesting to see this evolution, if you will. Um, I know that climate change activists <laughs> probably would not be down for all of the uh, the sprawl. Um, and I know that sprawl often has that same kind of negative connotation as like gentrification, but there are aspects of it I will say that I, um, I do enjoy. I do enjoy some aspects of it. So come at me, uh, climate change folks. I want the smoke. Not really. Anyway, all that being said, it's been a great trip. Played a little bit of tennis with my boy Jazzy Jeff Reynolds a few nights ago. Nothing like playing tennis under the lights here in RVA. It's just humid. (laughs) It still feels like 85 degrees at 9 o'clock at night. We had an owl that was doing some commentary and calling lines during our our match there, which was really cool. Owl decided enough was enough and, and went its own way, but... It was cool, man, just being out there under the lights. Took me back to being a teenager here. Every night of the summer, practically, I was out there grinding on the court with my boy Ralph. So it kind of took me back to those days of of ambition, working on your game, um, working on your craft, and just having a nice, hearty (laughs) deluge of sweat because it's so fucking hot. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I'm hoping to get out and play a little bit more tennis next few weeks so i'll give y'all some uh commentary or how that goes hoping to get on some some clay courts possibly while i'm here too so doing some things a little bit different seeing some friends playing with some different folks um always fun another highlight so far within the trip has been the ability just to catch up with a lot of friends and family as i mentioned uh, folks that i don't see sometimes I don't see everyone um, each year just due to the nature of the trip. I often work and then try to mix in some vacation time and just schedules don't align sometimes. But I was able to see my grandpa and uh, grandma the other day. Hadn't seen them in a long time, way overdue. And I learned some new information. I knew my grandpa was a big baseball fan, but what I did not know until last Sunday is that he's a Red Sox fan. I already have a lot of Red Sox fans in my life. So add another one to the mix. Really interesting. My grandma is a Braves fan. Totally makes sense. They used to have an affiliate here. If you listen to past uh, episodes of the Sports Class, you've heard me talk about the Richmond Braves and, and those awesome times when they were in town. So the seed was planted for my grandma, and, and it grew from there. But, yeah, Red Sox v. Braves in that household. Really cool seeing grandparents. They have no qualms about saying whatever the fuck's on their mind. So instant laughs, ask me how much I weigh immediately. Things you wouldn't say to like <laughs> to most people <laughs> you haven't seen in a couple years. Um, telling me that my weight is good and that I'm solid. So I'm not too fat for, for my grand, grandparents yet. So that's always good to, to check in on. And yeah, they were uh, joking with the kids. Lots of just really fun times, laughs, smiles. Something about being around family just the natural vibes that exist there and um just no matter how much time has elapsed it feels 
like old times, uh, something really special and beautiful to that moment. So really happy that I got to do that. And hopefully I'll see them again sometime soon. I'm going to jump into a little Q&A with J&J, a Virginia-centric one. Q&A with J&J this week. Q&A with J&J brought to you by subwoofers. Subwoofers. I'm at a stoplight in my car, traveling around, visiting people, and all I hear is the boom, boom, rattle, rattle. Is it enjoyable to be in the car and just hear nothing and just feel bass tummy rumbling bass all the time and just your trunk rattle 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 I don't know I remember those days but it seems a bit ridiculous to me so shout out to you subwoofer still costing people money and blowing out eardrums Q&A with J&J this week my question is what is the most annoying thing people can do while driving The reason this comes up is because there are so many terrible, awful, criminal, criminally bad drivers here in Virginia. It's bad. I know it's bad, but not until I'm immersed in the muck do I realize once again, damn, this is bad. So a few things for you to to select from a bit of a multiple choice here. Is it not signaling when you change lanes on the highway exceeding the speed limit? Is it exceeding the speed limit? Just blistering down in the left lane. Is it bullying people out of the lane? Nothing like being in the left lane passing someone and being tailgated dangerously by someone as if a cop is about to pull you over or you're trying to escape a bank robbery. Or is it just the excessive lane changing? Just NASCAR style, dotting in and out of the, uh, the, the three lanes, trying to thread the needle and just get one car ahead. Is it accelerating into an alley? And what I mean by that is, is it passing cars, accelerating, knowing that there's nowhere for you to go? And then in turn, you have to bully someone out of the lane. What's the worst? What's the worst? The other one, is it texting while driving? Because that is heavily prevalent here. I don't know how many times in the past week I've been at a stoplight and looked over and someone's texting. Or the stoplight changes from red to green. There's a sizable, lengthy pause before the car in front of me decides to put the accelerator down because someone is texting. It's bad here. It's really bad. And I don't know if it's a day-to-day thing where people just kind of it's a stasis where you reach a point where, Hey, everybody's doing it. I'm doing it. I'm not being dinged for it. But as someone coming from abroad into the mix, damn, it's bad. Y'all get it together. It's a lot of dangerous driving out there. So much so to the fact that Julia got rear ended. (laughs) She got rear ended. It was just a little, a little push, but a little bit of a kiss or a love, love touch. And everything just went well from that point. There was no, uh, no fisticuffs or escalation of any uh, manner. It was actually a very cordial, amiable thing. But when she was talking to the gentleman that hit her uh, in the parking lot, if they pulled over, he admitted to being on his phone. So put the phone down, drive defensively, not offensively. That's my message to you, RVA drivers, Maryland drivers. I'm looking at you too because y'all are fucking worse. Let's take a break. 
catch up on what's been happening in the NBA Summer League. We talked about it before. Justin and I, we love NBA. We don't put it down. 12 months a year. Let's go. We can talk NBA anytime. NBA with J&J. So, big thing the Summer League we were looking forward to was Victor Wimbenyaba, seeing what Wimby could do. And we've had a little bit of time to kind of digest what went down at Summer League during his tenure there. And it's really interesting. You know, first night out, first game, It was obvious he was nervous. He had nine points. He looked a bit clumsy. He was falling down, wasn't playing well. I mean, social media. (laughs) Social media, what a fucking fickle jury. I love it. This guy's supposed to be the best prospect since LeBron, and immediately he has a dud of a night in Summer League. And let's not put too much stock in Summer League, y'all. Like We get excited about Summer League and the the possibilities of uh, what could be. But it's summer league. Come on. There's no organization to it. You don't have coaches. Guys are still trying to work themselves in shape. The NBA season is not going to start until like October. But we, you know, we are a society that thrives on hyperbole. So people were calling him a bust immediately after his first game. He admitted in the presser afterwards he was nervous. He was trying to work some things out. He was very humble. I thought it was really cool. I mean, he's a 19-year-old French kid that comes into Vegas, glitz and glamour. He's the focal point of everything going on. And he has a, lays an egg for a night. So what? So be it. So comes back, next game, goes for 27 and 12, just dunking on fools, hitting jumpers, hitting threes, looking great. And then he goes to, this guy's definitely a future goat. So take what you want. The overactions are part and parcel of the biz but for me obviously it's early days I love Wimby let's go I think he's got a lot of potential really really cool to see just that evolution between the two games and what could be and this guy is amazing so yeah let's see what happens a few other notable things from summer league Cam Whitmore looked really good he slipped the 20th pick for uh, Houston blessing in disguise there had a lot of hype going in people didn't think he'd fall that far he had a really great stat line the other night had eight steals and 20 something points and he looks fluid he looks good once again summer league let's not get too far out ahead of our skis but cam whitmore could be a steal houston fred van vliet villain brooks a few additions here Ime. they got an adult in the room now really curious to see how that franchise you know uh, blossoms with those new additions as well I talked about Chet before he's continuing to do his thing possible rookie of the year I'm saying it right now we'll see what Wimby does we'll see what Scoot does Scoot's been shut down I should mention as well Wimby had those two games and they shut him down for the rest of summer league probably for the best he had a long season with his French league up into the draft basically he had playoffs so it makes sense. Work on his body, work on a few things, get his mind right, get acclimated to being in the States and the NBA. I think that's a great decision, as well with Scoot, too. I think these guys are going to be stars. Brandon Miller has been good. 
Maybe I'll eat crow. We'll see. I said he was <laughs> going to be a bust. I don't know about bust. He's, I didn't think he was the, the number two. I think Scoot should have gone before him. All that being said, really cool just seeing some of these guys got me excited about the NBA season. The other big news that came from the summer league session, if you will, is the in-season tournament. Really curious. I wish I had JK with me right now. Really curious on his thoughts on the in-season tournament that'll happen kind of the latter stages of the 2023 calendar year. So they've divided them up into groups based on last year's records and things of that nature. I think like once a week, um, there's games that go towards these standings that, you know, there's like a seating kind of thing and there's all this stuff. The main thing for me, I'm really interested if this is going to spark viewership. I have a lot of friends that don't watch NBA until Christmas. Totally get it. It's a long season. 82 games probably should be 70 games. But is this going to ignite some of that fandom, some of that fuel for the fire for NBA in November and December? Just kind of getting that play-in tournament, NCAA tournament kind of vibes going on um, prior to Christmas. So I'm really curious to see what happens. We're going to learn a little bit more about it. And Justin and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually. I know JK is not a huge fan of the play-in tournament, although the Miami Heat did run the gamut and start with that play-in tournament and then made it away to, all the way to the finals where Denver took care of business. But let's see what happens with this um, in-season tournament as well. Really curious about it. Let's take a break. Welcome back to the Sports Gloss. I want to talk a little bit of tennis. Let's talk some tennis. So Wimbledon's been going on. Part of the reason I wanted to record here on a Friday is because I wanted to see what developed in the morning matches in the men's semifinals, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But I'm going to take a little bit of a deep dive here and stretch out and kind of recap some of the tournament for us here. So first thing I want to talk about is maybe some of the losers of the tournament, if you will. And honestly, that's a lot of the Americans. Um, I really was disappointed with uh, Francis Tiafo's effort in the tournament. Effort may not be the right word, but what happened in the tournament. He had a really favorable draw and went out early. And on the back of the success he'd had on grass, winning a tournament previously, I thought this was going to be a big breakthrough for him. He's in the top 10 now. My expectations have risen to to go along with that ranking. Didn't do well. Fritz didn't do well. Tommy Paul had that amazing Australian Open. Seems like ages ago, but that was this year. He's top 20 in the world. I believe he's around 14, 16 as we speak. Not the best tournament for him. John Isner, old head, played the longest tennis match ever um, here at Wimbledon against uh, Nicholas, uh, Nicolas Mahout years and years and years ago. Went out early. I wonder how much he's got left in the tank. Big John. Don't know if he's going to be around much longer. Korda, Seb, played, had been playing well after he battled back from injury early this season. Kind of a snake in the grass just lurking there. He went out early. Ben Shelton, first time here, wins a match. Had a decent-looking draw, looked like he could have been somebody to make some noise. You know, he's hovering in the, the around the 30s. I believe he might have been the 32 seed. Um, you can check that later. Man, he went down early, too. So it was a bit tough to see my Americans uh, go out early there. 
One note, though, I do want to say um, with the American men's side that has been really positive is one Darwin Blanche. I don't know if I've mentioned him here before. He's been in my consciousness, but Darwin Blanche, 15 year old. We're just talking about Ben Shelton. This kid gives me so much Ben Shelton energy. So he's playing in the juniors tournament. He, man, interesting kid. Great handle, first of all. (laughs) He's through to the semifinals, the juniors. He's 15, so he's on the young. He's on the younger side. He's the nine seed, so he's already eclipsed, you know, the expectation of where he should be. He's made some noise. He's made a bit of noise before in the juniors, and and now it's really starting to uh, come to fruition. Kid's 15. He's serving 125 miles per hour. That alone is is pretty wild. He's rocking a Yonex. He's a lefty. He's from Deerfield Beach, Florida. All of these things are giving me Ben Shelton vibes. Ben's from Gainesville, Florida. He's a lefty. So I think it's a Yonex too. Deerfield Beach, by the way, if you're keeping score at home, breeding grounds for a lot of top athletes. Jerry Judy, receiver for uh, Denver Broncos, and uh, Justin's favorite player, Denard, <laughs> Denard Robinson of uh, Michigan Wolverines fame. So really cool seeing Darwin Blanche do all these things. Another cool thing, he speaks four languages. He's 15. I'm still mastering English, as you can tell. He speaks Thai, uh, Spanish, English, and I believe Chinese. I'll have to fact check that as well. But just an interesting cat. And I think he's going to make a lot of noise in the next few years. He's been training at the JC Ferrero Academy, just like one Carlitos Alcaraz. So, (laughs) I mean... This guy's grinding. He's putting himself in all the right spots. I really want to see if he's the next great hope for American players. The future's bright, despite what went down earlier for uh, our American counterparts in Wimbledon. Chapeau. Let's talk about the Canadians. Chapeau, you know, he played well. Um, He'll be disappointed because he also had a look here to kind of make a break, like not a breakthrough. He went to the semifinals a couple years back, but kind of get back to that level. And man, um, Safuin, I thought he had him, and uh, Roman Safuin took care of business. So maybe he'll take that momentum, Chapo, carry it through the hard court season, see if he can make some noise at the the U.S. Open, but. He seems to be on the right track, so I'm, I know a lot of people are doubters there, but he gained some points. He moved up the rankings a little bit more, and I think that, um, you know, I'm being optimistic. Future's bright. Felix, things are tough right now, but Chapo, I think, let's see what he does this summer. You know, I was down on the Americans. One American I shouldn't be down on, and I'd be completely remiss to talk about because he's essentially been the star of the tournament, and that's Christopher Yebanks. We've talked about him previously on the pod. What an ascension, just like a rocket. He was outside of the 100, top 100, early in the year. Here he is, upsets Cameron Norrie. He's on the back of three amazing weeks. He he won Mallorca on grass, never won a tournament ever. He's kind of a journeyman. He's 27. He played college tennis at Georgia Tech. So he's kind of this, and here he is. He pushed all the way through the quarterfinal and lost to uh, our favorite octopus, uh, Mr. Daniil Medvedev. That went five sets, and Eubanks had a look. He was up. 
two sets to one at one point, and I'm just playing outstanding tennis. The crowd have fell in love with him over the course of these past two weeks. It's been really cool. He's up to number 31 in the world now. He plays with a smile, one-handed backhand, huge serve. He's six foot seven. He is really skinny, <laughs> but gets as much as he can out of that frame. And I'm really, really elated for Chris and his perseverance. Really well-spoken. He does a lot of tennis TV commentary here as well. So he's got a career after tennis already lined up. But right now, it looks like he's in the prime of his career. And, man, let's see what he can do this summer. Let's see what happens. I saw him up close and personal um, in Washington, D.C. at the City Open last year. My tickets are early on in the qualifiers, so I don't think I'm going to see him with that ranking. He's not going to have to qualify this year. If he does play in the tournament, Atlanta, his home tournament's the week before typically. So let's see where he, he you know, what's what evolves from here. He could be a guy that makes a big impact on the U.S. Open. So here's to you, Chris Eubanks. What a three weeks. Amazing. Life's going to change forever. He's probably made more money in the past three weeks than he's made throughout his whole career. It's awesome. I want to talk about the Russians. So I just talked about Sa- uh, Safflin. Um, I talked about Medvedev taking down Eubanks. Um, here in a few minutes, Medvedev is going to be facing off against uh, Akarath in the semifinals. Um, Medvedev now has reached the quarterfinals of every Grand Slam um, possible. He's the 10th active player to accomplish it, just to give you a scale. Um, it's not an easy feat to do. It shows his versatility across the various different surfaces. He's been great. He's uh, persevered um, during some times where he's been down a few sets. So let's see what happens with him and Carlos a little bit later, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Rublev, Andre Rublev, looks like a Bond villain, plays with fury, slaps that forehand, hits flatter than anyone I can see out there. Man, he had a lot of success. He had a breakthrough. He had maybe the shot of the tournament, just diving forehand stab to set up a, a, a match point in one of the matches against uh, Rub- uh, excuse me, Bublik. He had a great tournament. That was awesome. Safflin mentioned him earlier. Journeyman. Yeah, I think he's now into the top 50. Really cool. Russians on the rise. Grass court Dimitrov. Grigor. Baby Federer. Still around. Great tournament. Switched to Lacoste. Hey, maybe that was the formula he needed. Turned back the clock. Had a really great tournament. Berrettini. Great fortnight for him. Often injured. I called him snake bit. He pushed and pushed through. Had some great wins. Fell to Akarath. But hey, I can't be mad at it. Great tournament for Berrettini. Let's see what he does this summer. Center. Coast through. Gets to the semifinals. Loses in straight sets today to Djokovic. He, for him, this is great. You know, Djokovic is, I mean, Djokovic is Djokovic. <laughs> How do you beat him? He's a machine that doesn't break down. Um, so Sinner, I'm not mad at this. He's still young. He's going to take this experience and build on it. As I mentioned, Djokovic took out Sinner. So he's in the final. Before that, just a few statistics. 14th Wimbledon quarterfinal. He's undefeated on center court at Wimbledon for the past 10 years. I'm going to leave that there for a second. Let it breathe. Hasn't lost on center court for 10 years. Wild. So he's into the final on Sunday. Who is he going to play? Alcaraz or Medvedev? 
my money's on Alcarath. I think it's going to be a battle. We had a, an amazing French Open semifinal between the two. Carlos's body let him down. He started cramping, and Djokovic took it. And then uh, as Alcaraz had to retire, and then Djokovic uh, wins the final um, against Rude. So I think, man, I think this is number 24, y'all. I think Djokovic takes it on Sunday. Whatever happens, I'm going to be glued to the TV. I'm really excited. I've been listening to Wimbledon Radio because I haven't been able to watch uh, the matches, and I just want to give a shout-out. Wimbledon Radio has been awesome. It's been great to listen to. You know, there's nothing like viewing your favorite sports, but if you can have a really great radio segment uh, or just radio coverage, I should say, it does the job too. And um, great, great stuff from from all of the uh, the radio hosts that they've had throughout the tournament. Really special stuff. So we talk about Alcaraz. Let's see if we can get it done today. Um, really curious. I'm gonna try to catch some of this match with my uh, my dad a little bit later. Um, just a stat for you talking about this dominance with Djokovic. The last time someone outside of the big four, and once again, that's Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. The last time someone outside of the big four won Wimbledon was before Alcaraz was born. (laughs) So we're writing history. Either Djokovic is going to get number 24 and just further that gap between him and Nadal and Federer or Alcaraz is going to, you know, bust up the big four, so to speak, so to speak. So let's see what happens here. I mean, maybe Daniil throws a wrench into it and Medvedev wins today. We'll see. It's going to be awesome. I want to talk about the women's side briefly before we get out of Wimbledon. The, the story of the tournament, you know, it's funny. The story, there's two big Three really big stories um, for the women's side, but for me, it's got to be Alina Svitolina. It's got to be. She's uh, she was a wild card. She's a new mom. She had a kid six months ago. She just got back on tour three months ago. All the women out there listening know how difficult it is to get your body back intact, get your mental back intact after having a kid. She has her first kid, and <laughs> then she gets back on court and. She won a tournament um, not long after she gets back. And then she beats the number one player in the world, uh, Iga Sviantek, and she gets all the way to the uh, semifinals of Wimbledon. This is amazing. She was talking about how she had to cancel her plans to go see Harry Styles' concert in, I believe, like Vienna or somewhere. I can't recall where it was. And uh, she had to like re-up on her hotel because she thought she'd be going home earlier. Her husband and daughter left early because they didn't (laughs) think she would be around in the tournament. And um, here she is, you know, she made it this far. So this is amazing. What a beautiful story. Madison Keys had a lot of quiet success on the side for the women, for the Americans. She's just always in the mix, man. She's hovering in the 20s and 30s and um, the rankings. She's been at it for a long time, but it's really cool to see her um, just kind of an old head kind of hang around too. Um, Anstruber put the demons to bed. She beats uh, Rebekina last year. She lost Rebekina in the final. She beats Rebekina um, in the quarters, beats Sabalenka in the semis. And is just, you know, the minister of happiness, drop shot, maven. 
She's so good. It's so fun to watch her play. She's on the cusp of history. She'd be the first African woman to ever win Wimbledon singles. So I'm rooting for her. Sabalenka loses to her, as I mentioned, and not only misses out on the Wimbledon final, but she misses out on the opportunity to become number one in the world. If she would have won that match, she would have moved past Iga, who's had a vice grip on number one for so long, it seems, since uh, Ash Barty retired. So, wow. Um, You know, Sabalenka might lose some sleep over that, but we still have the summer circuit on the hard courts where she is really strong. So let's see if she can push Iga and get to number one. Back to the final tomorrow. Jabur, who's she playing? Marketa Vandrusova. Lefty, Czech player, won title. She's been to Roland Garros French Open final in 2019 where she lost. Her career high is uh, 14. No one expected her to get here. She's got kind of funky, like weird kind of hipster tattoos, which I love. Um, I spent some time in Prague, so I, I love to see the, the Czech success. Um, on the men's side, Lehechka also had a really great tournament before his body kind of let him down, and Medvedev got the best of him. So really cool moment for Czech tennis right now. Um, go Czechia. Um, and, man, let's see if she can can take this from Ansdraber tomorrow. Let's see what happens. I'm going to do some quick hits here before I get out. And we get on to our next segment and just kind of a hodgepodge, a melange, uh, a bit of a potpourri of things happening in the sports world that I observed this week. So it seems inevitable right now that uh, Kylian Mbappe is going to end up at Real Madrid. So if this does go forth as it looks like it's going to, I've got to say that Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, PSG is basically the Brooklyn Nets of European soccer. They spent all this money, they did all this stuff, different coaches, whatever it is, they've thrown everything at trying to win a Champions League title. They always win the French League, it seems. And now they're going to be left no Messi, no Mbappe, you know, just kind of a shell of themselves if he leaves. And wow, it's really interesting to see how things have evolved there. And then as well, Mbappe to Madrid, it's it's just been foretold. He's the heir apparent to, to Benzema, who's left to get that chase that bag in Saudi Arabia. So I'm curious to see when it's all said and done, when the move happens, but I think it's inevitable. I started watching Netflix Quarterback. I've been really excited for, about this show. It just came out on the 12th of July, and I finally watched a couple episodes of it. I love a sports stock. I'll do anything for a sports stock. Don't come around me naked on payday sports stocks because you can take all my money. Call back. Anyway, here we are. It's following Kirk Cousins. It's following Patrick Mahomes and Marcus Mariota. Just last year, every aspect of it, un, you know, just unfettered access to their year and it's a really great watch jk go up to to black creek block out a weekend binge watch this you'll love it nfl like the nba always on my mind 12 months a year and a couple takeaways from this just for a little bit i've seen kurt cousins is super basic we knew he was basic but we didn't know he's this basic like celebratory in his basicness like vanilla 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 is wild. Julie Cousins, Kirk Cousins' wife, is a problem. She's a saboteur. We have a mutiny on our hands. 
She is really hilarious on TV because she's super basic, super religious, nothing against that. But man, she dresses him apparently. And it's just really awful, awful clothes. And just her whole vibe is so funny. So when you watch that show, I'm curious to see what you think about Julie Cousins. Patrick Mahomes is who we thought he we thought he is. Crown him. Dude's genuine. He's funny. Like, he's such a dude. Such a bro. But I love it. He's Texas forever. Like, he is amazing. And when you actually see it and you see him mic'd up and just the interaction he has with Max Crosby from the Raiders and all this stuff and all the shit he talks and then how he backs it up. But then he's giddy and talks to his his uh, locker room about the shit that he talks. It's it's so meta and funny. I wonder how conscious, uh, conscientious he is of being mic'd up and having the cameras on if he's putting on. I don't think he does. I think he's just a genuine article. What you see is what you get with him. So it's really cool. One other thing that was a takeaway from me in episode two, I believe, you, you see Pat's, um, you see his coaches that he works with in the off season, and, and you see them talk about his biomechanics and what makes him so unique and so special. And there's a, a thread going through where he is constantly talking about, I'm a baseball player. His dad was a pitcher. He had aspirations of being a baseball player early in his career, and then he talks about how things just popped off for him in high school as a quarterback, and the rest is history. But what's really, really interesting to me is the throws he makes, the the angles of his arm. We've talked about this. If you follow football, this is nothing new. But to actually see it and to have them break down what he does and to talk about his core strength, his spine strength, and how he does things, and it's it's wild just to see how he gets this ability um, out of his his frame and his body and makes these throws and these plays and is able to scramble and recover and do all that he does. Uh, he's the best in the league for me, uh, bar none. Marcus Mariota, really cool seeing his story too. They've been spending more time with the other two um, in the episodes I've seen, so I want to see how this all develops with him. I know how it ends, obviously, but I'm really curious how it is documented. So once again, great watch. If you have Netflix, I, you know, it's a must watch in my opinion. We had the Home Run Derby earlier in the week, I believe on Monday. Vladdy is your daddy of homers, 72 homers in the Home Run Derby. He said he was exhausted. Take a bow, Vladdy. That's awesome. Another thing uh, that came across this week, two things from the ESPYs that took place on Wednesday I just wanted to talk talk about. One is that LeBron James confirmed that he's returning for his 21st year. There was some doubt, but really, I, I mean, we knew this was going to happen, right? So he just confirmed it, which was really cool. He loves a big stage to make a big announcement, so right on brand. The other thing, talking about big stages and big announcements, on the red carpet, Mina Kimes. One of my favorite, um, Americans may know her better than Canadians, but one of my favorite uh, broadcasters, podcasters, uh, an amazing football mind, uh, Seattle native, lives in LA, kind of closet Rams fan, but really at heart, a big, big 12. She is pregnant with her first baby, so that's really cool. 
really excited for her. We love Mina Kimes. So congratulations to you, Mina. I know you're not listening, but hey, shouts to you. With that, I'm going to toss to me and Justin talking about things as we always do. Thanks for listening, y'all. Welcome back to the Sports Gloss with Justin Jamal. Stuff went down at ESPN recently. There were layoffs. And whew, there were some names, some big names let go. And we're just kind of trying to make sense of this. Just going to go through a few of these names and then I want to hear your thoughts about it, Justin. Your guy, Michigan's own, Jalen Rose, who does everything for them, was let go. Staying with basketball. I love Jalen. <laughs> a lot of people do. Jeff Van Gundy. Gone. Lead crew analyst, gone. Susie Colber. Longtime person at ESPN. If you're Canadian, you might not know, but she's a longtime resident. One of the, you know, ESPN's most recognizable faces. Oh, yeah, for sure. Gone. Yep. Max Kellerman. Gone. (laughs) Richmond Spiders, former quarterback and college football savant. Todd McShay? I really like Todd McShay. I didn't know he was a Richmond Spider like you until yesterday when you told me that. I didn't know that. Todd McShay is an incredibly intelligent football mind. If I owned a football team right now and you asked me to pick a GM, I would pick Todd McShay. I'm with you. He's so great. I love the stuff he does in the, uh, the draft analysis. He's he's to me. He's entertaining. He's incredibly intelligent. He's super connected. He knows everything. Quarterback mind again. To me, if I'm the new owner of the victorious CFL teams, I'm sending CFL team. I'm sending Todd McShay. Hey, he just got fired. You want to be the GM of this team? <laughs> because I think that's how smart. He is, and he's also extremely entertaining on ESPN. I agree. Sticking with football, college football in particular, David Pollock. Gone. Yeah, longtime game day guy. Played at the University of Georgia. His big personality. Yeah. Yeah. So surprising, as surprising as Jalen Rose. I I love and live on Saturdays for college game day at six a.m. Pacific. I I nothing brings me more joy on a Saturday morning than waking up. We're going to talk college football in the gloss, but I'm a huge game day guy. And I I got a bunch of kids. We wake up really early in my house. And on <laughs> Saturdays, all my kids know who Lee Corso is. All six of them. All six, <laughs> all six of them riding down the street. I love game day. I'm not a huge David Pollock guy. In fact, I'm he, he's fine. He's fine. Him and I um, have a difference of opinion. But he was entertaining on ESPN. But I am very, very surprised he's no longer employed there. Me too. He's kind of gives me like the college football Teddy Bruschi vibe, like kind of that linebacker, that certain mentality and just his energy on the show. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see him go. Other guy who got let go, was maybe sort of a surprise, maybe not, was Steve Young. Yeah, I like Steve Young. Yeah, I always felt like he was very affable and like really good, like just really funny like surprisingly funny good energy but was very positive. good energy yeah we love steve young the lefty on um pti especially great chemistry with those guys like yeah yeah it's another surprising firing yeah and from the the hockey arm of, of nhl the nhl arm 
Chris Chelios. Chris Chelios. Yeah. Only surprising in the fact to me that ESPN just got the hockey rights a year ago, so you'd think they'd be a little bit too early to dump any uh, hockey content creator. But, uh, you know, Chelios's hair is weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he wasn't doing that. I mean, I don't. We don't have ESPN in Canada, so I can't really speak to his analysis sure. and his entertainment value. But you know, I saw some clips. Yeah, it wasn't. That's a. They're still looking for it. The cream of the crop, actually, with ESPN, the guy who's really made an impact with viewers at ESPN's hockey market is actually PK Subban. Yeah, I love PK. I mean, he jumps off the screen even when he was a player, so yeah. it totally translates. Yeah, he does. He's entertaining. Yeah. Do you think that they were in a room? Like the decision makers just saying they had two pictures on the board. They're like, do we get rid of Chelios or Barry Melrose? <laughs> no, I'm sure Melrose is still there and his mullet. <laughs> Barry Melrose will always be there. He's still there. There's no way they get rid of Bar- Barry Melrose. John Bucciagrass is still there, right? Like they have this whole this whole hockey department. Hopefully it builds. Hopefully more people people watch. Ray Ferraro, local. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, what do you think Barry Melrose wears on the bottom half of his body when he's on television? He seems like a guy that would not be in a full suit. No, no, no. What do you think? Shorts? Yeah, like Tommy Bahama shorts and, and Javiandas. <laughs> Javiandas. Close. It's good Cler- there. Closer. Yeah, I think he's wearing shorts. I think he's wearing shorts. <laughs> and this goes into my other point, JC. Uh, recently, I spent five years in Edmonton in my university days. They just kiboshed. And canceled the Edmonton Sports Radio Station. Now, they did this here in Vancouver. As a person who works and listens to the radio all day, they they did this in Vancouver two years ago, 9 a.m., one random morning. They just, the, the, the frequency goes blank. They play some Green Day time of your life, and it is <laughs> over. It is over. Right? And that just yeah. happened to um, 1260 a.m. In, in Edmonton, a station that I used to listen to when I lived there. As a sports radio person, I, I enjoyed what I listened to mostly. And and it's interesting. The, the sports media landscape is shifting. And what we just described, what's happening in, in Bristol, Connecticut at ESPN, sort of the biggest sports outlet in North America, and what's happening here in Canada with Bell and Rogers and totally different different enterprises. But... It's interesting to me, JC. It's really interesting. And I had one more thought um, on this, the layoffs, but I had it, what's happening going the other way. And that's the fact. The hiring. The hiring, the big ticket hiring. Then you saw elements of it last year when we were talking about college game day. You saw McAfee, Pat McAfee, mm-hmm. kind of self-made man, mm-hmm. former punter, for I believe. The, for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Yeah. Idiot kicker. Yeah. And um, he... And his legions of yenzers and gold chain wearing uh, a shirt guys, mm-hmm. AJ Hawk or whoever his uh, accomplices are, mm-hmm. they've just through their connections to Aaron Rodgers and and other football stories and just their like kind of laissez faire attitude, kind of Joe Rogan, Howard Stern vibes, if if you will. That's there's, just my opinion. There's a little bit there. Yes, I see that. And now ESPN is like, all right. Sign you up. Here's the bag. You got five jobs now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's so interesting to see the guys and girls that they let go, but then who they brought in going the other way. 
And I hope it's not really a bellwether because I'm not a huge McAfee guy. He's entertaining. Yeah. Kind of like the same way a chocolate bar is. It's like, oh yeah, I love chocolate bars, and you feel like shit afterwards. What's your uh, what's your American chocolate bar you're looking for, Dean? <laughs> that doesn't exist here in Canada. <laughs> Three Musketeers. Take five. Don't know it. That's what I was. That's the kind of answer I was looking for. Yeah. That's the kind of answer I was looking for. A little little peanut nougat in the take five. Pretzel, peanut butter. Ah. Covered in say chocolate. no more. Say no more. <laughs> Now, let's go back to that for a moment, JC. ESPN has just made all these aforementioned cuts. David Pollock, Jalen Rose, uh, Stan Van Gundy. No, let's call him Jeff Van Gundy, right? Like, they just cleaned house with all these guys. And they've chosen to bring in, as you just said, they've chosen to bring in Pat McAfee and his his audience, which is different. I feel like ESPN is sort of going to a little bit of the Miami Heat super team mode, right? Where they're, ah. they're kind of cutting back on some of the auxiliary peripheral players. And they're like, hey, we're going to have these three cornerstones. We're going to have Stephen A. We're going to have, for some odd reason, Mike Greenberg. I, I do not understand that. Again, it's ear bleeding radio. And then we're going to bring in Pat McAfee to, to come on from whatever he's going to be, 10, 12 or whatever that, that is. They've cut all these people and and they're sliding him in now. They're reportedly playing Pat McAfee eighteen schmill a year, plus it, plus his company more than that. So I don't know. Now to your point, he does bring a, a different audience, and and to his credit, he's not exactly my cup of tea. But to his credit, he has built a viewership and a listenership, and it's um it's going to be interesting. Apparently, he's going to have lots of freedoms at ESPN that he he made sure were were the assurances that he went there. But yeah, no sleeves, no no sleeve. Yeah, tank tops all day. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see, man. It's it's. It's really interesting, and and that stuff's happening in Canada too. Like, like these local sports radio stations are are crumbling, crumbling, yeah. right? Like, I got I spent five years in Edmonton, and I got pals in Edmonton. The sports radio station there, AM twelve sixty, has just died. Two years ago, here in Vancouver, the station station that I listen to all the time died on the vine, man, and it's it sucks. It sucks. And people like you and I doing semi-sports related podcasts are, they're chipping into their listenership. And it's, as a shout out to Sultan and my boy Darnell, then like there's a reason why some of these stations are dying because people are taking their ear holes elsewhere. Do you think there is a fix? Do you think we're just moving into a podcast forward world where you're going to have some of those big major outlets in, in the kind of heavier metropolises, but this is kind of a, a bellwether for what's to come? I think, unfortunately, yes. Mm. I think it probably is going to go that way. I think if it's not a major market or a, a nationwide simulcast program, I think that's probably true. Especially in Canada, where the population and the listenership is, is not always there right like it's it's for canadian radio stations it's a simple revenue play sure what's bringing us more listeners and advertising dollars yeah like they're just doing the math they've got no interest in the edmonton oilers or, or the vancouver canucks that's not what they're thinking they're strictly thinking about 
Bottom making, lines. Yeah, making sure they're grossing money. That and they've made that decision, right? Even in a big market like Vancouver. Yeah. Which is a still which is still astounding. It's hard to believe because I just know how that, yeah, how that, big a sports town that can be. And the in you know, with the most clearest eyes, I mean the hockey market there is incredible. Oh yeah. Incredible. But gone. So I, gone. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is a a situation. I so, sorry to interrupt you, JC. Sure. There is another uh, radio sports talk radio station in Vancouver, but it is absolute hot garbage. <laughs> it smells like the bottom of your com- compost bin when you take it out to the street. <laughs> like it is, it is bad, bad. <laughs> so much so that you don't seek it out. Bad. No, yeah. I do not seek it out. Yeah, and I'm not just saying that because you and I are talking into mics, like. I'm angling for us to get the gloss needs to get on from two to four on six fifty a.m. <laughs> we can help. And I say in jest, but yeah, I think it's interesting too because you were, we were talking about kind of projecting potentially these. We're gonna have more big market centric, I guess, only focus if we're losing some of these smaller markets, and I wonder what that's gonna do to the landscape. This is a conversation you and I are always kind of batting around off air. We already have, we're inundated with the Toronto media here, even on the West Coast. And it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, if you're going to have some of those regional local affiliates dwindle or dissipate and go away, man, does this mean I'm going to have to listen to more Maple Leafs talk in the middle of July? You know, um, very good, very good point, JC. I think you are. I think you are because... The two major media sports companies, companies, yeah. media companies in in Canada are obviously headquartered in Toronto, and and yeah. they they're that. It's a great point by you. That's another reason why these Western uh, sanctions and sections of these companies have been cut. Right, like my point about the the money in, money going out. Like that's the reason, right? And they're so focused on where the population of Canada is, they just they don't even care like about a big market like Vancouver. And that's where we come in. Pick up the baton, the yeah. little guys, the that's podcast, and we can scratch that itch for like the regional listeners, hopefully. But I'm curious to see, like, yeah, what unfurls. Like, Pat McAfee essentially, I mean, wasn't that kind of a podcast kind of radio vibe he had going on? It feels like a podcast, like a long podcast, but maybe it's a, it was a radio station. I don't know. But you're starting to see podcasters it was a radio it was a radio show on okay um serious serious radio i believe right you're right you're right yes like they started off using the language and they started off you know kind of talking about different stuff like we like to do here on the gloss right like they were i think there were i think there were they were on radio but not a traditional radio radio. satellite radio right it's not the traditional radio format and i think that's a big part of it too is i think people we love our like Jim Rome's and like Dan Patrick's and things like that. And that's kind of a traditional thing, but it might be kind of a lost art or a dying art, dying breed, I should say. I'm curious if just the way we consume media now um, in the zeitgeist in modern times, I'm wondering if we're moving. I think we are. I think we've shifted. I think we've shifted so far that, you know. You're talking about Greenberg earlier, and I'm not a green greeny fan at all. I think you caught the vibe that I'm not either. <laughs> and I've caught wind, or like caught a few times I've been in the car during his show, and it just feels like repeated teases of the same 
storylines, just the whole thing. You just and I know there's an element within radio where they they just have that yeah. formulaic vibe where they're like top of the hour we're gonna replay this story about the dallas cowboys and the new york yankees and the make believes Mm -hmm. but he in particular first of all it seems like he didn't want to be there it seems like he's another one of those guys charles barkley would make fun of for being at espn Mm -hmm. and and basically working 24 7 Mm -hmm. and he's not entertaining he's he's a he's a number two not a number one he's a he's a setup guy he ain't don cherry he's mclean you know, he's not even that. Yeah, <laughs> so no, no. it's interesting. But I'm curious to see. Like I said, I wonder if we're moving away from that format where we'll be at in five or ten years, and if we're going to see more podcasters start to get these gigs with these big companies and keep their arrangement, keep their audience, and bring it mm-hmm. to your ESPNs, your TSN. I don't know if TSNs are that adventurous at those time, but yeah. It might be if they listen to the gloss. I look forward to to your after being down in the United States for oh, yeah. three and a half weeks, and probably in taking some of that. I look forward to your your feedback on that. Right, like yeah, it it's still so many eyeballs. How many? What on average? What there's a hundred million people watching ESPN at any moment. Like that's crazy. So it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts as you intermittently flip on one of the three ESPNs during your time again back in your homelands, and and if you enjoyed it, if you don't enjoy it, what your what your feedback is on that? For sure, I'll catch a little bit of ESPN in as well. I'll keep a keep some tabs on what's going on on radio because you have uh, just more radio stations due to like a more populous area. But I remember typically when I'm at home. You get a little bit of local stuff, but it's always kind of through a Washington-centric lens, hmm. just due to proximity. So you, you, I'll get like a lot of Nats and a lot of um, Commanders. Now I think they're called mm-hmm. football team mm-hmm. Commanders. I'll get a lot of that talk. Um, maybe but a, a local, bit, but a local, but a local mor- morning and drive time show in DC. You'll get like the I'll get like Dan Patrick and I'll get like those like I'll get Rome. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Get those but, guys, but like. A, yes. Is there a local? Is there a local section of those time slots on the the important time and drive slots in radio? There are. I don't recall the call sign or like the um, yeah, you yeah. know the the big names. Yeah, I yeah. know that the Commanders used to roll out some of the kind of past players had some gigs like uh, Levar Arrington. If you remember him, is a yeah. linebacker from Penn yeah, he's State. Still in radio. He's still in radio. Yeah. He would. He had a gig. Um. Yeah. So I would hear him often. Yeah. And then. He's actually nationwide on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, so he would get his perspective as a former player. And I don't know, this is a deep cut, but I don't know if you remember Fred Smoot. <laughs> I remember Fred Smoot. Fred Smoot is an interesting listen. Okay. A couple of years ago. I, I remember, remember Fred Smoot. I remember being at home. Yeah. Fred Smoot is like... Um, this is great. Let's get deep into Fred Smoot. Fred Smoot gives me the football... He's the football Tony Allen. If you ever listen to Tony Allen yeah, do yeah. Memphis radio, yes. Boston Celtics, Memphis, Memphis Grids legend. Well done. Tony Allen. He's got that vibe. He's got stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Some of them PG-13. Some of them you're not going to hear on the radio. But, you know, Smoot talked a lot. Smoot was not... Daryl Green is kind of the, the standard of like cornerbacks in that organization and him being this kind of upright, uh, you know, really savvy vet citizen always Mm -hmm. doing things above board Mm -hmm. just a model and kind of an eloquent guy yep yeah fred smooth is just a dude 
who got a bag uh, to play, play. He's got he's got Deion Sanders vibes. I he's got it. prime vibes. Yeah. I think he might have worn Fred, 2021. <laughs> Fred Smith's got both his feet. <laughs> right now, last time I checked. I think he's taking care of that. But yeah, it's uh, Fred Smith. I don't know. If, I'm interested to see if he's still on oh, air because he had, great he had just Fred, a vibe. Great Fred Smoot reference, Jamal. Great Fred Smoot reference. <laughs> that concludes episode 21 of the Sports Class with Justin and Jamal. Hey, I'm in the U.S. We're 21. We're legal now. We're going to party. It's the weekend. Thanks for joining us as always. If you haven't done so, please... Follow us, uh, subscribe, do all those great things to, to show your appreciation. We're on Instagram at the Sports Gloss. Going to be posting some stuff about my adventures here in RVA. While I'm here, Justin will probably be posting some stuff about what's going back in Vic as well. As always, survive in advance. Peace.